Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about tawdry therapists and tainted trowels. I'm your host of the evening, Nick Gora, filling in for our dear friend Steve Taylor, and tonight, I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Tanner Knight and Blake Blizzard are voice talents Heather Ordover and Creepyface. Now, get your ticket ready, take your seat in our theater of the minds, and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale of the evening is written by Tanner Knight and is performed by Heather Ordover. In it, we'll meet a woman named Perry who works with her therapist to cope with a recurring nightmare that drives her to near insanity. Without further ado, 
I present to you, Nightmare Incarnate. Let's start from the top. Tell me about the dream from the beginning. Dr. Ritter flipped open her notepad and clicked her ballpoint pen. She threw one leg over the other to use the inside of her knee as a writing surface. She looked intently at Perry. Her glasses rest on the edge of her nose, resulting in her eyes looking out over the top of the frames. Perry leaned back in her own chair, trying to get comfortable. She sighed. Well, Perry said, it's always the same. I wake up in a room. I can't move my head or any part of my body. My eyes move, though. I can see what's around me, somewhat. Dr. Ritter scribbles some notes into her pad. Describe the room. Uh, well, it's a small room. I can see all of the walls, even without moving my head around, so it must be, right? The walls have this, like, dark red wallpaper. It's peeling all over the place. The ceiling is just white, but it has this nasty-looking popcorn look, but, like, it wasn't done right, you know? And there's a ceiling fan with one blade missing. It's never running. There are no lights, but the room is filled with candles on top of these tall candlesticks. I don't remember what you call those, though. Papers? Yeah, I guess. Dr. Ritter scribbled more notes, taking down every detail she could as Perry continued. I'm in this bed. Not like a normal bed, but like, I don't know. One of those beds you see in movies that they strap mental patients to, you know, the ones that keep them still and calm, strapped at like the ankles and the wrists and the waist and stuff. Hmm, sure. I think I know what you mean. Right, so I'm in this weird bed. I can't move anything, but like, I'm not strapped down. I'm sort of just stuck there in this one position for what feels like hours. Is there anyone around you? Not at first, Perry said. For a while, it's just me, alone. Perry paused, lost in a static gaze at the wooden floorboards. What do you do? Dr. Ritter said. Perry snapped back to focus. Oh, sorry. I just... Right. What do I do? I can't move, like I said, so I just lay there. I stare at the ceiling mostly. I feel so real, as though I'm actually there, actually bored, counting each individual bump on the ceiling. Dr. Ritter scribbled more rapidly, notating everything she could. It lasts for a while, the silent waiting and the boredom. It's like that feeling you get sitting in the waiting room of a place that you really don't want to be at in the first place. And that waiting room is taking way too long, there's no TV to watch, your phone is dead, no bad magazines to flip through. I'm just alone, in an empty, depressing room. She paused and looked at Dr. Ritter, who hadn't yet looked up from scribbling her notes. That aloneness? It all ends when they walk in. Who are they? They walked into the room in a line of four, The same as always. It's all happened so many times now, but she still couldn't identify any discerning qualities about them. They were faceless, draped in loose hooded robes made of lac silk. Three of the figures surrounded her, one to each side, 
and one at the end. The fourth was obscured, lost somewhere in the background, out of her line of sight. She didn't know what to call them, so in her mind she called them by their location. The right one, left one, end one, and back one. It was the only way that she could describe it all to Dr. Ritter. The right one, standing closest to her at her right side, leaned down to her ear. They whispered something incomprehensible. It was like a poem in another language that sounded made up, a sound like words she knew, but garbled in a confusing veil, unable to be heard as intended. The left one stood to her left side, hovering over a table that wasn't there before they walked in. She hadn't seen it brought in, but there it was. There were things on the surface, but from the angle she lay at, she could not see. The left one's hands were moving across the table, moving the obscured items around. The right one continued in veiled whispers. The end one stood by her feet in silence. The back one she could not see. It was as though they had left the room, but Perry could feel them watching, as though their gaze had become a tangible thing. She tried to speak, but her mouth made no sound. Perry had tried it before, but every time there was no sound. Her mouth moved, her throat vibrated as though words were being spoken. The sound remained absent. It was as though something was filtering the words only when they were to leave her mouth, keeping the sound in, but allowing the motions through. She clenched her jaw, pressing her teeth together tightly. The left one turned back to her from the table. In their hand was a small metallic device. She recognized it from before, but still did not know what it was. It looked similar to a fruit peeler in the position of its blades. It worked like one, too. She knew what they were going to do. It was about to begin again. The left one passed the peeler to the end one by her feet. They always started there. Perry stuck her tongue between her clenching teeth, pressing hard enough to bite through from the stress alone. No matter how hard she bit her tongue... She never went through. The end one pressed the peeler to the sole of her left foot, putting pressure, imprinting the shape of the blades into her foot. They started by sliding it upward from the bottom. Perry tried to scream, but her mouth remained silent. She tried to wriggle, but couldn't move. Slowly, the skin was cut from both of her feet, layer by layer, until there was little left but meat and bone. The right one whispered, the left one sorted through their tools. Harry cried dry tears and screamed in agonizing silence. Good morning, Perry. Good morning. I take it that you've had that dream again since our last talk. Yeah, a few times. A few? How many times? Four. Fascinating. Dr. Ritter wrote furiously in her notebook. So, Dr. Ritter said, That's four dream occurrences in the span of only one week? The frequency of the dreams has increased fourfold. Has the content of the dream changed at all? No, it's all the same. How about our method? Has that helped? 
No. Have you tried it? Every time. And it doesn't wake you? That's what I said, isn't it? Dr. Ritter frowned. I'm on your side here, Perry. No need to be short with me. I'm sorry. I'm just tired. Really tired. I understand, Dr. Ritter said. So, forceful waking hasn't worked at all. That's okay. We can try something else. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I just need to sleep, Dr. Ritter. I'll do anything. Just please help me sleep. Well, she said, the next method may be able to solve that, but mind you, I don't think that it will actually stop the dream itself. So... So, what I'm thinking is this. Dr. Ritter said. Accept the dream. I don't understand. Bear with me, Perry. She said. Let's think about what your goal has been so far. What are you trying to do because of this dream? Okay. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong... I think you are simply trying to escape the dream altogether. A simple conclusion for something extremely complex. Yeah, I mean, I obviously want out of this. Right, Dr. Ritter continued. And we've been trying to solve this complex problem with a simple solution. Perhaps the real solution is not so simple. Perry tilted her head to one side like a confused dog. Perhaps the solution is not to escape the dream but to endure it. Dr. Ritter said, Perhaps it makes the most sense to accept the actions as they happen. Embrace the pain and fear. Take away the power of the dream. Take away the power of the dream. Then maybe it won't be so bad. Precisely. Red, peeling wallpaper filled her eyes. Her body yearned for the pain to end but she held in the silent screams as much as possible. She whimpered without noise. Her body writhed as she attempted to resist whatever she could, accept her pain, conquer the power that the dream held. 
The soles of her feet were peeled down to the bone, nothing left but a meaty pulp of flesh and muscle and fat. The left one picked up another tool from the table. They passed it to the end one, swapping tools. The peeler back to the left one, a clawed device to the end one. Perry breathed deeply. She slowly counted to three. Her thoughts shook in place of her immobile body. She exhaled, counted to three. The end one placed the clawed device against the bottom of her left foot. The ends of the claws placed precisely between the edge of the remaining skin and the bone. With a little adjustment, it was placed perfectly along all sides of her foot. Breathe, count to three. Exhale, count to. The device made a whirring noise and began to widen from the middle. The claws stretched the skin from the bone like pulling the plastic film from a package of raw meat. She could not hold the scream. Without a sound, she burst into a silent wailing, her body writhing in uncontrollable immobility. Every muscle yearned to leap away from her body, but she was stuck, unable to flee. The device worked slowly, only to prolong the feeling of her flesh tearing from the bone and her foot being slowly degloved along the sides. It pulled the skin away so far that it reached the top of her foot. As it pulled, the flesh took veins with it, stranding from what it left behind, like a series of webs being carefully moved from one spot to another. It was worse at the point that it reached her nails. The device didn't pull quite deep enough under the nail bed. Instead, it tore the nails from her foot, separating them from the cuticle skin, ripping them from each toe as the claw grew wider and wider. And as the claw grew, it pulled the skin further and further. Then the claw stopped, and with it, the pain lessened. Breathe, count to three. Exhale, count to three. Breathe. She wanted nothing more than to leave this nightmare. Nothing more than to wake up. Nothing more than to make the pain stop. But she needed to keep going. She needed to see this through. She needed to take the power away. She could do this. Just as she did the last time. She could make it through. Breathe. Down to three. Exhale. Count to three. The N1 lined up the machine on her other foot and turned it on. Have you made any progress with our new method? A bit, I suppose. Are the dreams becoming more bearable? Not really, Perry said. But I'm making it farther through the night, sleeping a bit more than before. That's good, Dr. Ritter said. That is very good. I don't really get it. Like, how is this going to fix the problem? It may not. It wasn't exactly meant to. What I'm hoping it will do, though, is make the problem less of an immediate threat to your health and well-being. Right now, my goal is to get you to a state of mental stability, get you somewhere safe while we look for the solution. Does that make sense? I suppose so. The fact that you're getting more sleep is a good sign. It means it is, in fact, starting to work. 
And you think it'll get better the more that I accept the torture? I do, Perry, Dr. Ritter said. I really do. She smiled at Perry, clearly happy that something she's done has helped. Even though it wasn't great progress, it was something. So, Dr. Ritter continued, Tell me about the dream. Have the events changed? Not really. It's the same thing every time. So you still start in the room alone. You don't wake up with them already there. No, never. What about the order of events? It still starts with the peeler on your feet? Perry shuddered at the thought. Yeah, Perry said. Always the peeler first. Yep, the left one first, then the right. I mean, like, my left, not yours. Yes, I understand, Dr. Ritter said. Dr. Ritter leaned back in her chair, the back end of her pen wedged between her teeth as she began to chew it. Her molars dug into the plastic, cracking it audibly before she decided to stop. She stared at the wall behind Perry, thinking about something. But Perry wasn't sure what that something was. Dr. Ritter? Perry said. Dr. Ritter looked away from the wall and back to Perry. Sorry, Perry, she said. I was just thinking about something. Dr. Ritter leaned forward in the chair, uncrossing her legs. You say that the dreams are consistently this exact same events, correct? Yeah. But they are different, correct? Yes. And what gives you that indication? How they move. Dr. Ritter wrote that down, then motioned Perry to elaborate. I can tell by how they move, Perry said. I couldn't at first, but after a while I started to notice it. Small things, like picking something up with a different hand or... Something like that. Small things. But after I've gone through this dozens of times, it was hard to miss. Fascinating, Dr. Ritter said. So even though they do the same actions, in the same order, every time, you can notice minute differences in their movement. Truly fascinating that these dreams can be so vividly detailed. Yeah, Perry agreed. That might be the scariest thing about them. How real they feel. One, two, three. Perry counted in her head as she exhaled another breath. The end one had just finished with the second foot. The skin from both feet was flayed back entirely from the bones, all the way up to her ankles. It realized her understanding of the term degloved. The end one passed the claw tool back to the left one, who took it and gracefully placed it back amongst the other tools. The left one continued to shuffle about with the tools before selecting another tool and passing it back to the end one. The right one had still not left her ear. A continuous babbling of incoherent words being whispered into her head, like a ritual chant. By now, it had become nothing short of entrancing, a voice that kept her actively trying to comprehend. The end one presented the new tool where Perry could see it. It was a blade with a hooked tip meant for the particularly gruesome task of cutting by action of hooking and pulling. The end one positioned themselves to the right side of her legs, placing the tip of the hook at the peeled skin just below Perry's right shin. It latched comfortably between flesh and bone. With an effortless pull, the blade sliced her leg 
separating the skin like a zippered jacket. She remained as calm as possible, gritting her teeth so hard they were liable to break had this not been a dream. She tried to claw at the table, trying to press her fingers into it with enough force to snap them, trying anything to take her focus away from her legs as they were flayed open. The blade continued up her shin, slowly and carefully, separating the flesh into even and cleanly divided parts, cut straight down the middle. She felt every inch of the cut, burning her leg in a fire of pain that she couldn't translate into words. As the end one finished the right leg, they pulled the flesh apart carefully, splaying the two sides of the cut open and away from the skinless bone. After the flesh of the first leg was cut away, they moved to the second and the process repeated. Perry's mind tried to travel away to something happy and familiar, but was yanked firmly back when the knife caught into a snag in her shin. The hook caught in a small fracture, chipping away a piece of the bone as it was pulled through. Her eyes tried to cry, but the tears would not materialize. She tried to scream, but her voice was lost in a sea of silence. She wanted to wriggle away, but her body was trapped in an invisible prison from which she could not escape. All of this culminates to even more desperation for it all. A cycle of increasing need to cry, scream, run away. But she remembered the key factor. She needed to accept it all. She needed to endure it. She needed to take away the power that it had over her. She needed to be stronger. And that is what she would do. She would accept it. This was her nightmare, not theirs. She was in control of her feelings, her pain, her escape. She breathed deeply. She counted to three. I think that I'm starting to understand it all, Perry said. I think. Dr. Ritter tapped the timer on the clock on her desk. She leaned forward, crossing her legs, resting her pad on her knee. Her glasses positioned tight to her face, inflating the size of her eyes in a weird, waspy look. She clicked her pen repeatedly against her thigh. In what way? Dr. Ritter said. Well, I think that I'm starting to understand how to accept it. The nightmare. The things that they're doing to me. Oh? Dr. Ritter said. That's fantastic. Please tell me more. Perry rubbed her eyes and leaned back in her chair. Well, Harry said, I think I've started to put it together in my mind that it's not real. That even though the pain is, well, that it feels real, it's not. In the end, I always wake up. I'm always fine on the other end. It's just like the journey that's the painful part. Hmm, I see. So, what you're saying is that it is all just a matter of realizing that, in the end, it will pass. In the end, it never happened, and you'll wake up alive and unharmed. Yeah, pretty much. That makes sense. Dr. Ritter said, writing messily into her pad. And this has helped you sleep better? Yes. That's good. I'm happy to see that some progress has been made. Dr. Ritter said, 
I want you to continue this acceptance. I think that if you can get to the point of accepting it all fully, then we may be able to mitigate the damage to your sleep cycle entirely. From there, we can really start to tackle the actual dream itself. Okay, I think I can do that. Might I suggest something that may help you even more? Of course. Try to view the pain as... euphoric. Rather than just accept the pain, turn it into something that you want to experience, more than something you just want to deal with. Does that make sense? I think so, Perry said. You think that'll help? I do, Dr. Ritter said. If the pain is something that you turn into a euphoric experience, perhaps something that arouses you even, what power does it have over you? It doesn't. The pain is no longer a threat to you, but an invitation. Yeah, Perry said. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. It can't hurt me if it's something that I like. Precisely. And since it's not really happening, you can't exactly call it masochism. I say think of it as a form of BDSM. I know it sounds weird, but sexualize it. Enjoy it. Welcome it. Dr. Ritter smirked so slightly that it was hardly noticeable. Perry imagined that this was something that she herself was into, and talking about it made her weirdly aroused. If that was the case, this only made more sense. How can something hurt her if it was something she wanted? Do you think you can do that? Dr. Ritter said, removing her glasses from her face and sticking one end between her teeth. She chewed at the edge. I don't know, Perry said, but I can try. Great, Dr. Ritter said, sloppily jotting down more notes. Let's see how that goes, and we will discuss it in our next session. Her legs were flayed apart like a butterfly cut of meat. The skin was separated up to hips and pressed out against the table. The end one ran their hands down the open flay of one side, smoothing the flesh flat. Perry tried to bite her lip to the pain, but her mouth was stuck in place. She could feel it now. The euphoria. It took time, but with each passing of the blade, it became more and more natural to her. It became less about how the pain hurt, but how it was delivered with such care, with such patience, with such an awareness of her body that she had never felt before. It was pain, but in such a way that the nerves were being forced to interpret it differently, in a way that felt right. The end one handed the knife back to the left one. The left one placed it carefully on the tabletop. Perry's eyes shot to the side in anticipation, for her favorite part was next. The left one lifted the next tool. It was shaped like a small pair of hedge shears, the blades touching in either end like two connected tips of opposing crescent moons. They passed the tool to the end one, who was now positioned to the right of her hip, just behind the right one, who continued their cryptic whisper. The whispering tickled her ear. She knew not what they said, but it made her feel tingly inside. The soft whisper of an ancient language. She did not understand its content, but rather the feeling the words evoked. Something greater. Something powerful. Something evocative. 
The end one placed the tool between her naked legs on either side of the labia. The tips of the crescent moons now separated just enough to press into the skin aside the base of her vagina. They pushed the tool inward, penetrating the skin. Perry moaned slightly from the piercing pain as the tool dug deep inside of her. The tool was pushed until it couldn't go any further. It pressed against the bottom of her pelvic bone. Perry moaned in painful pleasure as the tool was pulled upward, cutting the flesh along the entire side of her slit. When it reached the top end in lateral line with her clit, the tool spread open, moving to its maximum width, wrapping to either side of her belly. As it was pulled further upward, the sides of her belly popped outward, her intestines forcing out from the newly gaping holes. The pain was immense, but her mind spun it into pleasure. It was no longer something she tried to run from. It felt right. She felt right. It was right. She wanted more. She moaned as the tool made its way to the lower end of her rib cage. It was there that they stopped, the bones halting their progress. They pulled the tool from her, closing it, then handing back to the left one. The end one reached down to her vagina, grabbing the edges of the skin, pulling it gently, slowly, separating meat and fat and muscle and ligaments, pulling her belly back, her guts spilling out at the sides, onto the table, over the sides. They pulled her open, revealing her insides. She wished that she could see it. She wished that she could look inside. She wished that she could see what she could feel. She wished. One, two, three. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Are you starting to enjoy it? Dr. Ritter asked. Her hair was down today and a different color. She had dyed her blonde hair to a jet black. Her glasses were gone. She claimed that she had her contacts in. Her face was done up. She was wearing more makeup than usual. Yeah, Perry blushed. Kinda, probably more than I should. Is it helping you? If it is, then it's not more than you should. It's just right. Well, yeah, it's helping. So you've been sleeping better? Are you making it through the night? All the way through, Perry said. I don't wake up anymore. Well, unless I need to pee or something. That's awesome. So, it's definitely working. That really is awesome. Dr. Ritter was excited with her progress, as though she was overcoming it herself. She smiled wide and proud. So, Dr. Ritter said, I want you to continue this. I want you to become so accustomed and welcome to the nightmare that it is no longer a threat to you at all. Okay. 
I want you to get to the point of wanting to sleep even more often. I want you to get to the point of yearning for it when it isn't actively happening. (laughs) I think I'm already there, Perry giggled. I can't even lie. I think about it during the day. Every day. Even when I'm supposed to be focused on something else. It almost feels like an addiction. That's perfect, Dr. Ritter said. I know that it sounds counterintuitive to replace pain with an addiction. I mean, we try to prevent drug addicts from doing the same thing all the damn time. But with this, I think that it's best for you, at least until we can solve it all together. Perry felt a heat between her legs. It clicked with her again, like a switch. She was turned on, just talking about it, making her think about it, making her want it. Dr. Ritter helped her with the connection to it more so than her normal day-to-day. Supposing that came with her role in Perry's life, that Dr. Ritter would serve as a bridge to the feeling, even when she wasn't currently experiencing it. She was like an uninvolved catalyst to Perry's euphoria. She was Perry's sexual catalyst. It sounded dirty when she thought about it. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. Dr. Ritter stumbled on her words, clicking her pen on her thigh, visually trying to think. Okay, so I want you to continue with this just for another week while I think it all through. Can you do that? Great, just one week to let me think about this before our next session. With that time, I think we can come up with an ending for this all. I think we can end this for you forever. Perry smiled. Thank you, Dr. Ritter. She said, Really, I can't thank you enough. I don't know what I would do without your help. The heat was making them both start to sweat. Well, for Perry, it was more so the heat inside of her than the air in the room. Dr. Ritter was sweating too. Perhaps she was just as turned on as Perry was. It felt like a reach to confront her about that, though. Perry needed to keep their relationship professional, at least until their sessions were at a close. Maybe she could ask around after all of this. Okay, Dr. Ritter stammered. One week. I'll see you then. Sentire presentiam suam inte. The words twirling like a corde ballet on her brain, tapping soft feet against the alcoves of her mind. Ipsi immolate carnum tuam. Dancing gracefully, heeding her in the cold passing of air throughout her. Fieri unum cum ipso in eternum. A sacrifice of her body to the lust of her desire. A new tool passed along the sides of her neck, shallowly piercing at both sides, sliding to the base of her skull. It wrapped down her chin, connecting at the center. Soft fingers slid inside the incision and pulled the skin away. She swallowed her saliva, feeling a tingling chill in her spine as her throat formed around open air, pulling the liquid down to her stomach. She shivered and giggled. Pieri unus, transi in regnum, incipi passiones, eternitas. Become one with passion, her flesh apart from her body. Her soul was freed from its prison. She would ascend beyond the mortal coil. She would ascend beyond it all. A blade pressed against her forehead, 
It pressed against her skull and slid along the perimeter of her hairline. When it reached her ear, it returned to where it started and slid the opposite way, all the way down to her other ear. Soft fingers reached, plying between the flesh, pulling scalp from skull. She lies on the table, shivering from the heat of passion, rubbing her skinless body against the cold metal. She looked to the ceiling, its textured, patterned surface shaped like a pictogram of a shape she did not recognize. She admired its complexity, its simplicity, its confusing beauty. Her head turned to look around the room. They were no longer at her sides. They were lined up against the far wall, observing her beauty, absorbing her majesty. One of them stepped forward. It was hard to see, but Perry could make out the shape of their face. It was feminine. Her skin is clean. Her lips were covered in dark lipstick. The ends of her jet black locks draped from the sides of her hooded veil. They leaned down beside her, their mouth positioned beside Perry's ear. You did great, Perry, she said. You did great. He will be pleased with you. The voice. That voice. That voice. Perry's vision began to fade. Sleep, Perry. Sleep. That voice. It all went dark. She faded away into darkness. Three. Heat faded. Cold overcame her. Two. Fading away into darkness. One. I hope you enjoyed Nightmare Incarnate, as written by Tanner Knight and voiced by Heather Ordover. Heather Ordover can be found on the amazing Craftlit podcast, as well as on our channel. That's C-R-A-F-T-L-I-T. All one word, folks. Our second tale of the evening is written by Blake Blizzard and performed by Creepyface. In it, we'll travel back in time to a 1975 small town in the middle of America where a horrifying discovery is being made. Several neighborhood children are going missing. Some have been found dead. One of the town's most well-known farmers gains the most suspicion for the missing children. A simple man that just likes to farm and take care of the local children. Almost 50 years later, a famous YouTuber travels to the infamous home of the Twizzler Man to see what is true and what is not. Now, without further ado, I present to you the Twizzler Man. Do you know the story of the Candyman? Yes, the same as the 1992 film based on a short story by Clive Barker. Candyman is a twisted amalgamation of classic myths and modern horror. The Candyman could be compared to the uber-classic Bloody Mary tale. But this guy has a hook and some strange relationships with bees. An interesting backstory to the Candyman places him on the shelf in the urban lore bookshelf. I'll let you research that for yourself if you're not already familiar. 
At its most basic, I can explain the tale like this. Say his name five times before a mirror, and you will die an incredibly fantastic death. Why would you invite your demise? Because it's just a game, right? It plays on all of our childhood curiosities and fears. Say Bloody Mary three times into the mirror. No, you do it. We all know nothing will happen. So why won't you just say it then? So, we are all caught up on the Candyman. Have you then heard of the Twizzler Man? A more specific sugar-themed character. No, you haven't heard. Well then, please sit back, relax, and grab a bag of popcorn and your favorite sweet treat. Turn the lights off. Or, at least, dim them. 1975. America's Bicentennial. This story revolves around Alfred Welsh. Alfred lived by himself in his family's farmhouse for his entire life. He grew up milking cows, mending fences, and preparing various livestock for consumption, for both commercial and individual sales. Alfred had several siblings helping with the various tasks around the farm. Throughout the years, they all found different callings. Alfred stayed. When both of his parents passed, the Welsh family farm was solely his, one not too far from the other. Most farming families had children just for help. Alfred never found his way to this path. It was awkward, tall, skinny, and smelled like cow dung. It just didn't seem in the cards for him. Being a farmer is a noble job. They produce the food that feeds much of the country. Before the Walmart style farms that mechanically and methodically produce genetically enhanced animals are now delivered to our door. Now, Alfred was off. Being a farmer didn't make him unappealing to women. He lived in a rural farmland where farming was what most of them did. The word back then might have been a spaz or touched. He wasn't. Alfred was incredibly intelligent. He read every paper he could find and excelled in math and science in school before focusing more on his work at home. The stories that came out after the, um, after, were alarming. The neighbors complained of missing pets, and more than one claimed to see Alfred attempting to peep at the girls under the school bleachers during Friday night football games. None of these really confirmed, of course. By 1975, he was an adult, firmly handling the Welsh family farm estate. For years, the farm was staying above water. Impressive, being that he had no children of his own to help with the multiple chores needed to keep up daily production. There is no job too small on a farm. Here... He enlisted the help of a handful of town boys. Alfred made it known that the help was needed, and he'd even pay a meager wage if his friends in the community would oblige. Alfred was strange, sure, but he was not disliked at all. 
He was also known as kind of the town handyman, another byproduct of what might be known today as being on the spectrum. He had a mechanical mind that allowed him to fix anything from the school drinking fountain to one of his colleagues heavy-duty John Deere tractors. It kept him calm. Growing up in a rural area, especially pre-internet area, you could imagine how valuable someone like Alfred could be. Calling an actual mechanic wouldn't only take time, but it would hurt your wallet pretty bad. Alfred barely asked for a 25-cent bottle of Coca-Cola. Alfred kept busy between his farm work and his small-town projects. He truly loved giving work to the town children. It was a good experience for them, and it helped him greatly. Keeping the pens clean was just one crucial job that kept his farm working. He maintained this goodwill for quite a long time until children started going missing. It was a story that rocked this small farming community. Police were perplexed. A small town force was not equipped to investigate over a dozen missing children. The necessary technology was not there to help. When one of the missing children turned up dead and massacred in a heinous fashion, it changed many lives. All that was found near the unfortunate 13-year-old child was one shoe and just two pieces of Twizzler candies. Current year, 2022. Mr. Dark Knight, one of, if not the first, YouTuber to feature mainly scary content, real name unknown. He must have decided early that he would not reveal his identity, but was fine with revealing what he looked like. 2006 was a different world in YouTube terms. Mr. DN, as he's known to most of his subscribers, started doing the now well-known countdown of scariest... whatever. It could be the top 9 scariest buildings, ghost sightings, abandoned psych wards, etc. He smartly moved to investigate some of these famous haunts right when the ghost hunter fever hit in 2007. If you were around during this time, bless you. Especially if you loved the paranormal culture. Ghost hunting was seen as lame on mainstream network television, to put it. Even cable TV. Eventually, the paranormal community broke down the walls of Jericho. They wanted the content of ghost sightings, creepy shadows, and EVPs. Electronic voice phenomena. Mr. DN was right there bringing his team of ragtag friends to attempt to pierce the veil in such sites as the Clown Motel in Tonopah, Nevada, the Stanley Hotel in Colorado, and the defunct Sloss Furnace in Birmingham, Alabama. He even did a tour of some of Europe's most famous haunts, traversing some of the most interesting medieval settings. His channel exploded. This brings us here. Mr. Dark Knight has teased his next investigation. He and his team will be traveling to the middle of the United States Plains to see if this modern-day Twizzler Man legend is fact or fiction. What's up, guys? Mr. DN here. Welcome, Dark Nation. We are here. Here, in the supposed town where the legendary Twizzler Man legend was born. Many of you asked for this, and I have to say that I was completely unfamiliar with this one. 
Candyman? Heard of. Bloody Mary? Heard of. The birthday face guy? The April Fool's killer? I know. But this one... This one was different. Back in the mid-70s, there was an unfortunate rash of missing children in this rural farm town. A dozen children went missing. From what I could research, some of them turned up in the worst way imaginable. You all know me. I don't dive into the grotesque or gore aspects. You can find another content creator for that. You can also search for this online for yourself. These children were found deceased. Unceremonious is the word that comes to mind. The last victim was found with a couple of Twizzler candies next to his corpse. Hence the name. Not one arrest has ever been made. I was curious as to the basic history of Twizzlers. Seems like they're somewhat new, no? Well, Twizzlers were introduced in 1929. After World War I, Hershey's produced them. Now, it's somewhat noteworthy that Mr. Dark Knight is filming this as part of his TV show. Some from the younger generation might see this as a step backward. Television is quickly being seen as the way of the dinosaur. Online media is the king at this moment. But Mr. Dark Knight is a little older than the average YouTuber. He's one year from becoming the big 4-0. Meaning that he still holds a special place in his heart for TV. Getting your show on basic cable is an accomplishment. He's more than thrilled to be hosting his 30-minute highly edited show on one of the travel channels that hosts such paranormal bangers these days. The Dark Knight crew pulls up to the alleged Welch farmhouse in a convoy of about four black Cadillac Escalade rentals. They were slick and stylish, but they're also still a symbol of making it and they have room for the crew and their modest cachet of TV equipment. The scout crew had already set up at the farmhouse. He wanted a shot of him driving slash walking up to the site of what may be one of America's lesser known serial killer's abodes. He made the right call. Yo, Dark Knight looks in stunned silence. What is this, some Freddy Krueger shit? One of his producers frowns starting to remind him he can't curse but quickly thinks better of it. We can easily edit or censor that. Let the man continue with his genuine reaction. It's true. They burned this man's home with him inside. Mr. D.N. takes a moment to let this location wash over him. Here's a spot in the middle of miles of farmland. Nothing else would be notable about this piece of land except that we are looking at the charred remains of home attached to a legend that has never been introduced to the larger American audience. All D.N. saw was the remains of a stone chimney and a perimeter of what used to be home. A slab of old concrete made up the base, and a basement hatch could be made out on one of the sides of the home. Not sure if this was a fruit or meat cellar or what it was meant for, it appeared the home itself did not have a basement. Okay guys, we're going to set up here and start taking a preliminary look at this area. Tonight, my team and I will be doing some sessions trying to summon the Twizzler Man. I'll explain the ritual later. I just can't believe this place is real. How does no one know about this? Mr. Dien then goes into a little more history of the lore. 
town historians estimate that between the years of 1975 and 1981, more than a dozen children had gone missing from the small town farming community. Many parents had gained suspicion of Alfred as the key suspect. As the children that had been loaned out as help had been the ones missing, the police could never make a connection to Alfred. One unnamed parent told the local paper that he thought it weird that all Alfred ever asked for was a bottle of coke and maybe a package of Twizzlers. When the Twizzler candy was found at the site of one of the last victims, the town was livid. Not waiting for the police to continue their investigation, which they already felt was lacking, they marched to the Welsh residence with pitchforks and torches and burned the home down. Knowing, or maybe not knowing, that Alfred was inside. Again, this is all part of the legend. The house was burned down, which we know as a fact. And we know that now seeing it, Alfred was also found burned to death inside. He never received a burial or an obituary. This feels like a small town keeping the story under wraps and sweeping it under the proverbial rug. Chilling stuff. The night of the investigation, 2022. What's up, Dark Nation? It's your boy, Mr. Dark Knight again. So I already gave you a quick history lesson on the Twizzler Man. Now, did you know that almost 47 years later, people were going missing again in this same town? I know. Can this get any more Nightmare on Elm Street? This time, though, it's not like he's going after the children of the parents that killed him. A strange game has surfaced by seemingly unrelated folks. Amateur ghost hunters and urban legend fans have grabbed hold of this new Twizzler Man challenge on Reddit and 4chan. They flock to this farm town to complete this game, some to their demise. Mr. Dien then puts the disclaimer that while some mysterious deaths have occurred by outsiders to this area, none have officially been confirmed as a result of playing this internet ritual. Here's the game. Travel to the site or even the town where Alfred lived. I will not be naming the actual town or state for liability's sake. Find a solid base, such as concrete or wood on the ground, and draw a door in chalk. Bring 12 pieces of Twizzlers as an offering or homage to the apparent victims. Repeat the following, by yourself or with a group. It doesn't matter. Alfred, see me. Alfred, hear me. Alfred, tell me what happened. Say it three times. After the incantation is done, close your eyes. Keep them closed for at least 30 seconds. When you open them, count the candies. If there are less than you've placed, you are successful and the Twizzler Man will be visiting you soon. To do what no one has documented, if you have more, we all know it might be too late. Mr. Dark Knight takes a moment with his crew, doing their pre-game ritual at every investigation. It's showtime. What's up, Dark Nation? It's the moment you have all been waiting for. We are here at the supposed site of possibly one of the darkest and deadliest killers in our history. But is it true? We're gonna do the ritual. Tonight.
Stay tuned, fam. Dien's right-hand girl, Ms. Dien, chalked Alfred's ground. She then pours the salt and places 12 Twizzler candies as carefully as if they contained anthrax. She nods to the show host, letting him know it's ready. Filming? He asks. A nod from the cameraman confirms they are. Okay, Dark Nation, we are ready. I will now step into the circle. Dark Knight takes a breath, slowly falls to his knees and starts the chant. Alfred, see me. Alfred, hear me. Alfred, tell me what happened. The camera zooms mythically on Mr. Dark Knight's face. 30 seconds of eerie silence. Then he opens his eyes. He looks around, taking in the environment that doesn't seem to change. He looks to his producer, his partner, and his cameraman. I, I don't feel anything. You guys? The camera shakes a confirmational no. Wait, how many Twizzlers did you put down? His partner quietly speaks. Twelve. Yeah, twelve, like the ritual said. Mr. Dien counts the Twizzlers, mouthing the number. After counting them once, an ever-present look of fear overcomes him. He counts again. One, two, three. There are fourteen licorice pieces here. You said... No. I hope you enjoyed The Twizzler Man, as written by Blake Blizzard and performed by Creepyface. Author Blake Blizzard's work can be found throughout our YouTube channel and podcast episodes, as well as on his author profile with us at creepypastastories.com. Just search for Blizzard in the search bar, that's B-L-I-Z-Z-A-R-D, to find out more about his terrifying tales and ways to follow him on social media. Creepy Faces performances can be found right here on our very own network, as well as on his YouTube channel called by the same name. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close, but before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us tonight, and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word, and follow us on Facebook. Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012, and consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Nick Goroff, and it has been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs>
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.